Chapter 20 of Catherine von Bora, Dr. Martin Luther's Wife by Armin Stein, translated by E.A. Enlick. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 20, Lord Kate. Two miles south of Liebschick, on the road which leads to Altenburg, lay, among green meadows and grain fields, a secluded little estate named Zulsdorf. The buildings, overshadowed by great oaks, were in a ruinous condition, the leaking roofs and gaping wounds in the masonry crying out for repair. In the spacious courtyard stood three wagons, loaded with tiles and timber, sent by the elector's orders. Carpenters and masons were already at hand to repair the ravages of time and to put the little vine-covered dwelling house in a habitable condition. A woman, going from room to room, was giving directions and noting the progress of the work. She encouraged the workmen to industry, for soon, she said, her husband would arrive and all must be in readiness. From the house, she went into the stable and inquired of the overseer into the condition of the fields. Then she hastened to the garden to direct the maids who were at work there. Immediately adjoining the garden was a marsh overgrown with bushes and tangled vines. Here, four men were busily engaged in draining and filling the waste place with good earth. These also received a passing visit and words of encouragement. It was evident at a glance that this woman was no farmer's wife. Yet, it was easy to see that she ruled with pleasure over her little domain. She looked rather pale and wan, as though but lately risen from a sickbed, but strong, joyous life beamed from her eyes. From the orchard nearby were heard ringing, childish voices. A little girl of twelve came running to her mother. Mother, help me. Paul will not come down from the pear tree. He has torn his jacket, and Margaret is eating too many pears. Paul is a wild fellow, said the mother, following her little daughter to the orchard, where punishment was speedily meted out to the culprits, but of so mild a nature that the merriment was scarcely interrupted. Come into the house, children, she then said, and hear what the dear father has written from Eisenach. And altogether they repaired to the sitting room, which had already been made comfortable. No doubt the reader has guessed that this busy mother is no other than Mistress Catherine Luther and probably wonders through what means she came into this neighborhood. A cousin of Luther's and the former owner of Zolsdorf had fallen into debt. Urged by Catherine, Luther took pity on him and for 610 florins lent him by the elector, bought the estate. When he brought his wife the deeds of the purchase, her face beamed with pleasure. Life in the country had always been her secret desire and her garden, her dairy and barnyard, which for so many years had supplied the necessities of the large household, had become her pride. Luther, too, was glad of the acquisition of this retired spot, seeing in it a sheltered home for his wife when he should leave this world. For a time, it seemed as though God meant to provide for Catherine another resting place, out yonder, where the peaceful dead lay sleeping in their silent chambers. Hitherto, it had been her lot oftentimes to watch by her husband's sickbed, now it was Luther who knelt beside his suffering wife. The plague, which in the year 1539 again visited Wittenberg with renewed fury, had spared Luther's house. But in February of the following year, Catherine fell ill and grew so rapidly worse that the physicians gave up all hope. But there is one remedy, more potent than all the apothecary's drugs, and this remedy Luther knew well how to apply. The great master of the art of prayer lay upon his knees and with his prayers rested his wife from the grasp of death. On the 3rd of March, he wrote to a friend, My Kate has recovered from her illness, which was nigh unto death. She again eats and drinks with appetite, and by means of tables and benches, she creeps about the house and is once more learning to walk. The purchase of Zolsdorf now seemed like an inspiration from on high. There, in the country quiet, in the fresh, wholesome air, 
his dear Kate would regain her health and strength. She hailed the proposition with grateful joy, yet she refused to leave while her husband remained in Wittenberg. He was soon to go to Hagenau on the elector's business, and in loving forgetfulness of self, she made the preparations for his journey. After his departure, Catherine, with Lena, Paul, and Gretchen, repaired to Zolsdorf. John and Martin were obliged to stay behind because of their studies, but obtained the promise that they should follow when their father returned from his journey. Catherine had already passed several weeks in the pure air and amid the congenial occupations of her country home, and felt so revived and invigorated that she was able to give her husband the most satisfactory reports of her progress. Luther's letters were also full of cheering news. His faith had achieved another victory and had saved the life of his dear friend, Philip Melanchthon, who on the journey to Hagenau suddenly fell ill. The famous physician Sturz, who had attended Luther during his illness at Smallcald, stood helpless by the sick man's bedside when Dr. Martin Luther, that hero of love and trusting faith, entered the room. His heart misgave him at the sight of his friend's glassy eyes and sunken cheeks, and he exclaimed, God preserve us! How has the devil marred this vessel of thy grace? His fear endured but for a moment. He turned to the window and with a loud voice pleaded with the Lord to spare the life of his friend, and the dying man was restored. The rumor reached Zolsdorf, and soon after a letter dated the 10th of July came from Eisenach containing the following. Master Philip has again returned from death to life. He still looks pale, but is of good cheer, jests and laughs with us, and eats with a hearty appetite. God be praised for his goodness, and do you also with us thank the dear Father in heaven. A few days later, another letter arrived. To my gracious Mistress Catherine Luther of Bora and Zulsdorf, my sweetheart, my dear Mistress Kate, this is to inform your grace that we are all, thank God, in good health. We eat like Bohemians, yet with moderation, drink like Germans, also with moderation, and are of good cheer, for our gracious Lord Bishop Amsdorf of Magdeburg is our companion at table. We have had such heat and drought that day and night are well nigh unbearable. Come, thou blessed judgment day. Amen. Your lover, Martin Luther. In a third letter, he announced his coming, and it was this one which Catherine now read to her children. To the Lady of Zulsdorf, Mistress Catherine Luther, my love, tomorrow, Tuesday, we purpose to leave this place. The Diet at Hagenau has accomplished nothing. Labor and time and money have been wasted. Yet, even though we have done little else, we have drawn Master Philip from the grave and will bring him home in good health, if it be God's will. Amen. I am not certain whether these letters will find you in Wittenberg or in Zulsdorf. Otherwise, I would write you more fully. God bless you. Your lover, Martin Luther. Monday after St. James's Day, 1540. The reading was interrupted by shouts of joy from the children. Only Lena's face was thoughtful, and she said, Dear father does not know where we are. How will he come to us? Never fear, my child, returned her mother. Your father will not fail to find the way. Three days later, the children, who many times each day climbed the hill behind the house from whence they could see a long stretch of the road, observed in the distance a cloud of dust. A coach became visible, and in hot haste they ran to meet their father, the two older ones mercilessly disregarding the little Gretchen, who in her hurry had stumbled and fallen. Their shouts brought Mistress Catherine to the door. She saw her beloved husband surrounded by the children whom he had lifted into the wagon and waved a welcome to him with her handkerchief. With proud satisfaction, she led the doctor, who had scarcely been granted time to change his dusty traveling clothes, through her new kingdom, eager to show him all its glories. It took time, 
for everything had to be praised and explained. Luther listened patiently, for her joy was his, and with undisguised admiration he said at last, Dear Lord Kate, I perceive that you are well qualified to rule over your new realm, and I will not withhold my respectful homage. But more than the kingdom does the king itself please me, who has such round rosy cheeks and such a fresh cheerful spirit. In the sitting room the maids had in the meantime prepared a repast, and Luther proved to them that he had not exaggerated when he wrote that he could eat like a bohemian and drink like a German. Even though, as was his custom, he ate and drank sparingly, yet his food and drink seemed to refresh him, and Catherine and the children listened with delight as he related the incidents of his journey. Interrupting his story, he suddenly said, An old heathen of Rome, who was so happy as to possess a Zulsdorf of his own beyond the city walls, said of it, Ille terrarum mihi praetor omnis angelus ridet, which interpreted means, Of all the places on earth, this one to me is dearest. Thus I would also sing, The Lord is very good. He does above all that we ask or think. If we petition him for a piece of bread, he gives us a whole field of grain. I prayed God to give me back your life. He gave me that and Zulsdorf beside and an abundant fruitful year. This is like paradise and makes my heart warm. Truly, if after the heat and burden of the day, God grants me a season of rest at the end of my life, I would fain enjoy it here. I feel each day that my strength is failing and that my life is drawing to a close. When the time comes, I will yield the sovereignty to you and you shall be my Lord Kate indeed, to whom I will become an obedient subject. End of chapter 20.